Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. If you have been with us in the past show, we are just continuing. We are just continuing with some of the most amazing conversations, but also I want to just remind everybody, you know, when Linda schedules these things for my show, she really looks at what you all are asking for and asking for more of. And that is so important that we're able to respond. And one of the things that has come up more times than not, not just on this show, but also on the show I do with Mark, the psychic and the doc, is come up this idea about what do we do? What do we do? Transitions. What do we do when we're animal friends? What do we do? How should we be? What is it about this that helps us understand things more? And all of the questions you never thought you would even be asking you ask today sarah sarah bones joining me here today and i just want if you want to go to sarah's website you can go to spiritual-rebel.com go ahead hop over there um but we're going to be giving away at least one copy of this book why because i love sarah's approach to things i'm smiling right how could i even be smiling about this but i am smiling and what i love is when two people like she and I can come together to talk about things that at one point in time in our lives were heartbreaking in a sense, especially with our four-legged, especially with, especially with, with our animal friends that we've loved, right? But what does it mean to be an animal chaplain? And what happens when you're in front of Sarah and there are questions you want to ask? There are things you want to talk about. You know, this is sacred send-offs. And Lydia is going to make sure you all have a lot of information about Sarah. This is an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful and healing the planet. It's all of that. And believe me, you may have had the loss of your animal friend. But when I watch what's happening in the Amazon, I just cry. And so much of what you all have seen. See, when you get to meet Sarah today and you're meeting her right now and you understand this book, kind of cool. I might even read from it. But when you read this, you're going to understand and not feel guilty that you feel lost in your heart. When you see the fires raging, loss in your heart, when you hear about something either vicariously or third or fourth hand, and you're wondering, why am I crying about that? It's not even my dog. 
or you hear something that really touches your heart and you know you are in the loss zone. You know you're there, but you don't really know what to do about it. Today, I want to make sure you know who Sarah is. I, I think I told you animal chaplain, right? But more than that, an advocate for all creatures. And when you sign up for that, before you're born into this world and you're her and you sign up for that, that is a mission. That is a mission. So today you're going to meet who this advocate is. You're going to meet who this chaplain is. You're going to understand the depth and the breadth of what happens when you sign up and say yes to a life path that enables you and empowers you to be an advocate. You're going to understand that there is both the light and dark, the serious and the funny, and all aspects of everything. Why? Because that is the world we live in. Sarah, it's great to have you. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Pat. So happy to be here with you. Now, I shared a little bit about Travis before, before, and, you know, I look back and I could really think of some funny, funny things, right? And, and yet losing him, I don't know that I've ever felt quite that before in my life. Um, why is that? So, you know, it's, yeah, right? it's, go ahead. It's very, very common for us to have that because I think one of the things, Pat, that is that we just don't we don't have the words within our culture to talk about animal loss, right? Yeah. So we avoid talking about it. We think we're going to be overwhelmed. So I can't possibly talk about it. Can't go there. Can't go there until the day it happens. And so sometimes we're a little underprepared and most of the time we're under supported. So we have a society that says human death worth mourning, animal death, not sure. Right. So one of the things I'm hoping to do in sacred send offs yeah. is to give us that language that we can talk about to explain why does this hurt? Because there's there's a fascinating study that came out that said that 93% of humans that lose an animal have a substantial impact on their life that goes to their daily functioning. 93%. So we got to talk about this. Like you said, seriously and funny too. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, if you talk to anybody that has gone through or has experiences or is in the process of this right now, I yeah. mean, for those of you listening, if, you know, what we're talking about is resonating with you and you have a question for Sarah, please, please call 1-800-930-2819. I mean, even if you're in the process of it where you know, wait a minute, you know, I've got my beautiful cat friend with me and I know there's something not right. I know that the days are numbered. See, that's all part of the transitional platform, isn't it? It is. And so I think it's it's being able to look at, you know, life is a continuum. And, and we know that for, for human for humans as well. And so, you know, we go through these different phases and we need to be able to support our, our furry feathered and fin friends, you know, in the in the same kind of way of understanding being attuned. That's what you're talking about, Pat, being attuned to what's going on with their health. And then how can I support them? How can I notice um, the moments where they might need more they might need something more for their well-being so i help teach people how to you know meditate with their dogs or how to pray for animals or how to do different different things like that but also recognize the moments of lightness that can help support us that we still have that animal in our lives and there are those but my i have a cat named deacon i live with who's a funny little skittish cat who has some shelter trauma and i the other day i was out at the um, at the grocery store and i found this huge mouse it's like, a, you know, you're supposed to scratch on it. It's a huge toy. 
and I brought it home. I mean, it's huge. It's about 18 inches long. And my husband said, oh, come on, Sarah. And I said, no, no, I just had this feeling I need to bring this home. And uh, it sat in the house for about a week and a half. And now Deacon, who's not feeling well this week, is curled up next to that big mouse. And it's a, it's it's lighthearted. And it's also, you know, he's not feeling well because my husband's gone and he misses him a little bit. So he has a little comfort out of this ridiculous looking mouse. So, you know, being able to be really attuned to what our animal friends are going through, I think is the first step of, of what you're talking about, Pat. It is. And, you know, you just reminded me of something. I want to kick this off because, you know, throughout the book, there are references to this. And it's kind of a little funny story. It wasn't funny at the time, but I'm going to share it with you. You know, we were living in this old 200 200 year old home, right? I was renting this home in Jersey, in Morristown, New Jersey. Just moved there, loved it, you know, kind of woody place, beautiful, right? But it was 200 years old. The basement was almost like an open flood zone, right? And, you know, what was fascinating about it was every evening I would sit, we'd go to like sit in that living room. And next to the fireplace, and these two little mice, they were yeah, I was gonna say there's a mouse teeny, in this story, isn't there's there? a mouse in this story. <laughs> it's like a little teeny hole, right? You can't even mm. see the hole. I don't even know. But there was like this little platform. It was like a shelf right next to the fireplace. And these two would come out and they would play. And I would just like be so like, oh, okay, so. Uh, not so much for the person I was with. They were like, okay, we got to put the mousetrap out. And I'm like, no, why? What's wrong with them? They're coming out. Well, they're blah, blah, blah. They got this and they got that. And I'm like, but you know what? Here's what they're doing. They're coming out. They're not leaving that shelf. They're coming out. They're like doing what they're doing. And then they're going back in. And I don't know. They're gone. That's my view. Well, the, and they were visiting. Yeah. And that's another piece of the work that I do with a lot of people. You know, there's work around companion animals, right? How can we help them thrive when they're living? How can we address their transition when they go to what I like to call the what's next, whatever that happens to be for them. Uh, But another piece is ethics. Ethics around interspecies living are so messy from the mouse that you see in your house to what's going on with deforestation around the world, right? And those are kind of two different sides of it. But I will get calls from people saying, you know, I've got this thing going on. I had a call from someone the other week who said, I've got wasps that are invading the side of the house. I feel bad about taking the chemicals up there, right? Because it might drop and and affect other wildlife. And I don't know about the wasp. And I'm just turned around in my head as a spiritual person who believes in, you know, the value of life and the value of the interconnectedness of the oneness, right? Or all these kind of terms that we use. What the heck do I do? So, you know, helping people sort through that, the solution for anyone who's curious about wasps, if you get it, if you get their nest a little damp, not a lot of water, but a little damp, then they'll abandon it. That's what I did. That's exactly what I did out in the shed, right? In my house. That's exactly what I did. But you see, this was so, I mean, this is, this was the thing that was going to end this relationship. I'm just saying the funny part of it is I'm sitting there waiting for them to come out every night because I don't know, they came out the same time, I think, or when I was done with work and I was home and they would just come out. And I kind of thought they were coming out to see me. So that's the ego, right? Uh, but or, for, or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe that's a connection, Pat. You know, have, have, exactly. you heard the word, have you ever heard the word speciesism? No. Oh, I didn't hear so, that. Tell us what that is. Yeah, there's this word speciesism that goes to this idea that, you know, we value different species more 
than other species. And that's by culture, right? In some cultures, you know, people will eat one animal and live with another animal. In another country, it's the opposite. You know, some people can tolerate and um, find joy in having mouse visits. Other people, I don't think so. You know, so it it points to this idea that we don't treat all animals the same. And saying like, I'm an animal lover, isn't always true. Because do we really, do we really mean that? Or do we mean I'm a cat lover? Or I'm a dog lover? Uh, you and I are obviously mice lovers. Someone else on the, on the listening right now might be like, I don't think so, folks. You know, so really being able to have some discernment. Uh, we are 0.01% of life on earth. Humans. I must right. say that again. again. 0.01% of life on earth. So, you know, you know, we're going to have interactions with a lot of other folks and we have to kind of tease through what, what do those look like? And, you know, that's what I love about your book. And I love about what you're doing because you kind of take us through and I love that you, okay. So out of the gate, you, you have a cat story. And I love, I love that you have that because for most of my life, I walked around saying I'm not a cat person until Felicia showed up on my door when I lived at Green Lake. Now I'm not supposed to have pets. So this black cat, Felicia, who lived two doors down who they didn't take care of her she slept in the garage she showed up on my door and i snuck her in every day but i had to let her go home at night this cat literally helped me through five years of research and write my dissertation mm. now that's a longer story but my point is this these animal friends are going to show up I don't think there is a mistake, like the mouse. I don't think there's a mistake about the mouse. Travis, my 13-year colleague that was supposed to live one year, I literally paid for my vet's new office, new Mercedes. I wouldn't send him back. After six months, all the I couldn't send him back. Are these soul connections what is the energy of this if you could talk about that Sarah, Sarah you know, that's you a really great question and and I think that you know in the world's different religions and spiritual traditions and philosophies you know we have a lot of different words for the way that we talk about these connections and you know and they really do make sense that we are you know we share so much DNA from a scientific basis with animals you know there's such a tiny little percentage that we're different but we're connected. We're connected energetically. We're connected physically with, we share habitats together. Um, we are connected, you know, people have ways of, of talking about soul or spirit or chi or prana or whatever, you know, your language. Connections with other humans. Why would we draw a line with saying we don't feel them with other, you know, other earthlings? So, you know, I think our, our language about that can be, can be very fluid, yeah. um, you know, because it's in the experience, you know, that's just something that we humans with our words love to do, right. Is we want to define it and then we want to study it. And then we want to publish an academic paper on it. Oh, wait, we have to get a t-shirt. We got to get, get a t-shirt. T-shirt. Gonna, I yeah. love mice. We're going to need to do that whole thing. But if we go back to, you know, I, I, I teach animal chaplains. I teach at seminaries. I'm always going to kind of bring it back into those beautiful sacred texts as well in the idea that, you know, we have, we have these rich connections of experience. Um, some people might call them mystical experiences, right? Or somebody might, somebody might just call them a, you know, a, a soul connection or a deep connection or, 
uh, you know, something like that, but the, to, to notice them and then to ask, what do we do about it? Because there can be this stopping. Now, I watch this all the time. So I'm going to critique something a little bit here. I'm, I'm a little bit of a snarky animal chaplain, but I'm going to critique something. Then often what we'll do is then go to a book and say, I saw a ladybug. What does that mean? And we oh. open up a book, right, of, of yeah. spirit guides or totems or whatever. And we say, oh, this is what ladybug represents. And we're doing ourselves a little bit of an injustice in that, I think, because we're robbing ourselves from a connection with an individual being, right? And, and letting something drop in into our intuition, into our deepest knowledge and to mm -hmm. our deep knowing by going to a book with something that somebody else says. Now, I love those books. I've got about a dozen of them and I look them up too, right? But if we can go one step further and say, you know, this ladybug came while I was sitting next to it, it reminded me, or I noticed that I should, or, you know, something like that, and be able to see what wisdom is coming to us, yeah. then we can have deeper connections. Now, I don't know if the ladybug's actually telling you that, or I don't know if they're facilitating a connection. I don't know. I haven't written a paper on that yet. Uh, but I do know that something happens because we hear it over and over from people and from different cultures. How can I, even if it's just Pat, even if it's just that that connection with an animal made us stop during the day, right? Because yeah. we are so busy going from here to there to here to there. And when we're able to connect now, what we do know scientifically is we also know that the more con connections that we have with other species, the more willing we are to be compassionate to them the more willing we are to be compassionate to other people and the more likely we are to conserve habitats and be concerned about the earth, which is another thing I talk about in the book, right? So this isn't just kind of a personal drop-in of knowledge. This is, it affects the way that we, uh, we affect the world that we live in. And that's pretty serious and that's pretty important. Yeah. I, when I read your book, I really, I'm, I'm really struck by one of my mentors and I think about the circle of things and I love that you brought that up because you and I probably have experiences which go beyond what you read about our connection to an animal that probably isn't described the way it's described in the book. I talked about this the other day, my first vision quest and what I was confronted with on there. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would have read the book on what rattlesnake means or lizard means or turkey vulture means the turkey vulture saved my life. Um, and but it's all about connection. The other thing I want to get to, because you mentioned this in the book and boy. This is it, you know, we count and you mentioned it, I think, in COVID. So I'm going to paraphrase. Please help me out if I don't get it exactly sure. right. But I am so thrilled you talked about the fact that we did count bodies in COVID, and I'm not taking anything away from that, but we did not talk about the journey of our animal friends through this. We didn't talk about what had happened to them. We didn't talk about the loss of them. We didn't talk about some of the places where these people lived, let's call it, and some of the, some of the things that happened through neglect because of the lack of staff. I mean, we're not talking about that so much, but there's also the loss. There's also the connection. How did COVID either enlighten or change our perspective on sacred send-offs? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, we, we became more willing worldwide to talk about loss. 
than I think we've ever been. Perhaps, well, not, I was not around during the world wars, so I'll make that caveat, but we started to talk about loss in a different way. Also loss that was more of a um, existential loss uh, than one human hurting another human, right? This was a different way. And this was connected directly with how we have been treating animals. So some countries have been dealing with pandemics and or different types of zoonotic illnesses much longer than we have in the U.S. I'm located in New York. So, you know, we hadn't we hadn't dealt with this at such a scale as we have now. So a couple things happened. You know, we started watching. I know I was locked to CNN with the numbers. Right. And I was looking up in my county how many people and are, yeah. is it OK? And we got fixated on watching those numbers, but we didn't we didn't count when people went home from labs and had to kill all the mice or when people had to leave the farms that, you know, the, the factory farms, the CAFOs and millions of animals lost their lives. We didn't talk about those things so much. We get a little bit of news about them. Um, but what we did notice, right? So that was one side of it. And we also started talking about the connection of zoonotic illnesses in a way that we haven't before. And it's not that those animals cause those illnesses. It's our, our, the way we treat those animals causes those illnesses. Um, but the other thing is people were home much more. Some people, the people who, you know, that, that, that we could go down another road with who was able to be home yeah, and who was not able to be home and what that means about class in our society and socioeconomics, but we won't, we'll, we'll pull up from there for a second. <laughs> but a lot of people were home. So a lot of people went, I want a dog. Oh. And they ran out to shelters and they grabbed dogs. And so shelters saw, you know, a great, you know, lift in, in how many dogs were getting to homes. Dogs were also not being crated for eight hours a day while their humans went to work, um, which is something I'm not a big fan of, you know, a dog staying in, in a crate for eight hours at a time every day. Um, so that, you know, dogs were getting more walks, dogs were getting more play. Cats, I don't know, my cats, <laughs> they were kind of like human, you're going to leave sometime. Exactly. We do stuff when you're gone, right? So, so I don't know, cats, I don't know. Uh, but we, but you know, then the we, cat got a dog in the house too. Well, and then the cats, the cats, the cats discovered Zoom, right? <laughs> and so, you know, how many cattails do you see going across? So amazing. So, I mean, it's funny, but also, our relationship with the animals in our home became more visible because we were spending so much time on Zoom. 70% of houses in the U.S. have an animal companion, 70%. So we started seeing people's animals, right? And that also meant from a loss perspective, when people were losing animals or losing family members, we are seeing each other more now than we used to, you know, when we were on the phone. We're seeing um, sadness in our faces. We're yeah. seeing joy in our faces. We're seeing each other more. Um, I mean, you know, um, FaceTime and other things too, but we're, we're seeing each other more. So it's made a, it's made a really big, big difference. Now we also had folks who uh, were concerned that their cat or dog might give them COVID. Yes. That was true. a big scare that happened there. And then we also had the, I'm going back to work. I can't take care of the dog, you know? So it, it brought up so, so many things. And I think we'll be studying that for a long time, Pat. 
I think we will. And, you know, I'm so glad you included it in the book. I'm not sure quite how you got it in the book, but you did, because it really opens up another conversation for, you know, let's just call it a progressive conversation. You know, what I love about what you've done in Sacred Sendoffs, and for those of you just tuning in, I think, Lydia, you're really showing the book. I'm just going to hold it up here for a minute. You know, Sarah, Sarah's ready to meet Sarah Bone. Um, before we go to break, I, I would love for you to let folks know how they get a copy of the book, but how they find out more about you, because this is one part of who you are and what you do. There, You're like a multidimensional species <laughs> and all on your own. I'm a busy um, one. <laughs> yeah. So please tell folks how to do that. And then when we come back, I, I want to really take people on the journey of the book because it is a journey i don't think you leave much out including the conversation on spirituality and how animals show up um please give out your information let folks know how they get a copy of the book and then benny when we come back we'll open up the phone lines and give away our own copy absolutely so um we actually have a site for the book and for my info on this which is sacredsendoffs.com makes a lot of sense and you can get the book there. Uh, you can also get, we have these uh, little kits for uh, ritual. If you've if you had a loss, a kit to take you through some activities to do to help with uh, grief and healing. We also have info there on if you feel like you might want to be an animal chaplain. Uh, we have a training starting September 6th um, that has a three-month, a six-month, and a nine-month uh, track to becoming an animal chaplain. So if you like this juicy conversation and you want to have more of it, uh, that's an option too. So it's sacredsendoffs.com. And of course you can get the book at, you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore bookshop.org is a great way to do it because that's uh, independent bookstores as well. I want to talk to you about what that means, you know, to become an animal chaplain, because I really love that you're offering that now. And I love that you're making that available for people because, you know, there are people, Sarah, that are so heartfelt by what you and I are talking about, but they don't have that next step. Right. They don't know how they can be useful in this world, in the conversation you're ha we're having. You know, there are people that are thinking, how can I be like her? How can I help people? And what you've done is you've created a way for them to do that. Thank you for doing that. Um, Benny, um, Lydia, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Sarah's going to walk us through sacred sendos. One of the things she just held up was the rit a ritual kit, correct? They could get yeah. that from you, Sarah? Yep, okay. from sacredsendoffs.com. Yep, okay. we have dog, we have cat, we have wildlife, Perfect. all sorts of different ones. That, had I had that with me, it may have helped me because I could not get this image out of my mind yeah. with Travis. Yeah. It took me a decade, a whole decade. Because we don't I, process it. Yeah, I, we don't... We, we don't work with the grief and we right. just kind of pick up and try to move on. Well, nobody so, says yeah. it's okay to even do it, right? That's right. They're like, just That's put right. your dog down. Well, I'll tell you it's okay. Okay, thank you. When we come back, Sarah's going to tell all y'all it's okay because That's there's right. so much she talks about. There's so much here. But the question really is, what is your reflection? As she says in the book, what is your reflection? What is an animal loss like? What is your reflection? What are you thinking about? What are you carrying? What has somebody told you you should just get over it? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready to expand and move forward and create the love in your life that you truly desire and deserve? Specializing in consensually non-monogamous and polyamorous relationships, Elizabeth Cunningham works with all people who want to expand and grow the love they have in their lives. Contact Elizabeth for more information 
on love coaching and applying for her online course, Love Deeper, at elizabethcunningham.com. Have you known that you're on a soul path, but often wondered why you don't have the insight of how to go from here to there, or whether or not what you're doing is going to take you to where you want to go in your soul's journey? Damayante is a show for your soul. Damayante speaks to your soul, connects with your soul, and shines a light for your soul. Damayante, the show for your soul with Sarah Main, brings you insights and a pathway to your soul's journey on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are you ready to experience full body system wellness? Tune in to the Empower Me Show with Pam Bright, a spiritual toolbox for your life. Embrace the fullness of who you are as a spiritual being having a human experience. Pam Bright is a multidimensional healer, light language channel, energy intuitive, and spiritual transformation coach. Join her for a rich conversation about how to unlock all your spiritual gifts on Transformation Talk Radio. Tune in to Awaken Your Magic Within, reveal unconscious systems to discover your unstoppable freedom power. Join me, Tracy Lynn Wallace, on TransformationTalkRadio.com the first Tuesday of each month, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, to gain insight, direction, and tools to uncover limiting beliefs. Get ready to step into your unstoppable power to discover and uncover your magic within. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I'm going to hold up the book again. And I know, Lydia, you're you're just showing everybody the book right here. Um, Sacred Sendoffs, uh, an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful and healing the planet. And really everything is in here. Because even in the book by Sarah Bowen, even in the book, there's a conversation about interspecies living. And you know what I love about this is, you know, Sarah goes on and gives us a little bit of information, right? Uh, and it says something like, you know, worldwide, there are like over 700, 470 million dogs, 370 million cats that live as pets. But then she goes on and say, kind of paraphrasing, did you know, by the way, other people have other things, goldfish, Benny and I actually shared a goldfish, goldfish, rabbits, hamsters, horses, ferrets, you know, parrots, turtles, you know, you name it. And then she goes on to say, studies suggest that over 67% of households in the United States, 57% of homes worldwide include a species other than human. That is a lot 
Yeah. And we're up to 70% after the pandemic. It is a lot. <laughs> I'm not joking. Benny and I did share a goldfish. Yeah. yeah. The goldfish story we have shared on the air before and we have laughed. It started out as a little baby thing that came from my two friends. They got just got a, a married and they gave everybody little goldfish. I didn't know anything about goldfish. So it kept growing and I kept getting bigger tanks. So it went from this little goldfish to this tank. Then we got this tank. Then we got this tank. But it got so big that when I moved, I had to give it to Benny because the tank was like this. It was I'm a glad you. Fish. I'm glad you were getting it bigger tanks. It's it's so so important. You know, that whenever good? I see a goldfish oh, okay. in a tiny bowl, I'm like, please, please, please get them more space because they're remarkably smart. Yeah, they're very very smart. Um, they do remember faces. Goldfish do. Do they? Uh, yeah. So we have this. One of the other things I love to do is bring up language kind of things. Look at look at language and poke at it a little bit. We often talk about like so and so has the memory of a goldfish. And goldfish actually have pretty good memories. So we have these, or he's, he's a snake, right? Or you're a pig. Or, you know, we do these <laughs> things where we bring in animals and we like lob all these things about humans onto them and be like, oh, that's about that animal. But goldfish are actually remarkably smart. And, you know, I'm so glad you said that because Benny and I really treated this amazing goldfish with respect, except for the little the hiccup I did. Okay, so some pet store owner told me that I needed to get these little lobsters to clean up the the fish tank, eat better. So you go get these little lobsters, and you think you're going to put them in there. So you put them in there, and they kind of roam. They're little teeny. They're not. He called them lobsters. They're small, but they they go around. And they they kind of eat everything in the bottom. But <laughs> you got this goldfish. And then you put stuff in it and these little lobsters started to crawl up on these things. And, and I'm telling you, you had to watch. It's really kind of funny. And I come home one day and the goldfish is like going around in the tank and it's got these two lobsters oh, attached no. to it. Oh, no. because Yes, because what do I know? I built this little thing and they crawled up. And so you're watching this goldfish, like these, this just these two Well, you, you bring up such a great point, which is we often end up living with species that we know, or individuals of species that we know very, Nothing. very little about. And so one of the things that I often tell people is if you're thinking about, you know, we, we pick, we pick animals for kind of odd reasons sometimes, right? And we also pick them not so much for fish, but for other, for fuzzy animals, what we think they can do for us or what we think they can give us, right? Or I I, I need something, yeah. a benefit out of this. And so really learning about an animal, if you're going to live with an animal, really learn about it, learn what it needs. Also learn kind of some of the challenges that face that animal. Um, and really important right now, how that animal got to the place where you want to procure it from because puppy mills oh, yeah. and exotic pet trade and all of these things it once you start digging a little is is really really eye opening and you know it can it can help you understand yeah. a little bit more about some of the some of the kind of ethical quandaries and like i would there are so many animals i would love to live with a monkey i love 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 monkeys However, the research on, you know, what happens to monkeys who live with humans is super heartbreaking. It's just not good for them. Yeah. Right. So learning about uh, learning about the animals is really helpful. 
I and not you- not just the pet store owner because they might might not know either. No, but, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I love that you brought it up. I want to go to the phones, but I love that you brought it up because remember I alluded to Travis mm-hmm. and how sick he was. Yeah. At at a three month old, not even he couldn't walk on his little legs, and he was a collie, beautiful full collie like Lassie, and he couldn't walk, and he developed these fluid. Now. I love the universe. I had just moved into Rainbow Lakes in Jersey. There was a vet literally 500 feet away from me around the corner, just starting out. And I brought the, I brought him to the vet and did the analysis and the vet says, take him back. I'm like, okay, now you cannot take a dog back. But what I found out about him He was so inbred. Now, long story short, I didn't take him back. I took him to the vet as many times as I needed to. We built strength in him. He had hip dysplasia diagnosed at six months. He Mm. was supposed to live five years. He lived 13. See, that's what love and care does, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the phones, Betty. We have got a caller wants to talk to Sarah. Let's do it. Charlene from Canada. Welcome to the show. Hey, Charlene. Happy day. How can we help you? I was just going to say that I find that uh, when humans need comfort, comfort that animals give unconditional comfort to them. And there's like, there's a telepathy between pet owners and their, their animals. There's a silence that's just knowing between them. It's magical. That's a great observation, Charlene. Yeah. Have you experienced that with, with an animal? Actually, um, I've had other animals in my past, but the ones, uh, the, the budgies, I have so much fun with because mm-hmm. they love music and uh, they'll dance for me. They'll, you know, good morning or sexy bird, sexy bird, and you can teach them language and... Uh, there's just something about it, like leaving the cage door open, that um, just for them to just fly free. And I just love birds. Anything with wings. <laughs> and I do love dogs, but I can't have them where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, there is something beautiful about that wordless space, you know, because, even, well, some of the birds are, you know, using some of our words, right? But but that idea yeah. of connecting with an animal in a wordless kind of space, like you're you're talking mm-hmm. about in that connection and kind of having a, an inner knowing. Yeah, it's very powerful. Like you could yeah. just look at them, like if it's a dog, it, and because I've had dogs in my past too, and you'll you'll give them that look, and then they'll just know, just like a child. <laughs> like, no, no, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have that going on with a cat in my home right now who, he, you know, just that one look like, come on, bub. And then he'll give me the look back like, yeah, I just tried. Tried to get away with it. <laughs> I'm putting oh. a little language on him there, of course. No that, kidding, that's right? picking up, right? Right. And Charlene, um, do you have a question for Sarah? And uh, make sure you stay on so we can send you a copy of the book. Do you have a question for Sarah? Well, I know I just recently um, lost one of my birds, uh, Bella, and she was with me for 
quite a few years. I had Spirit before that, and she was with me like 20 years. But my budgies, like, last, like, they're, they age very, usually they're five years and they pass away. But mine stay with me quite a long time. And she had a tumor. I did try to nurse her back to health, but um, she passed away. So um, I don't I don't know. I've just been taking a little bit of time in between before I decide whether or not I'm going to get another bird. And, I think that's uh, really But I'm feeling wise, kind of like if you wake up in the morning and you can hear the birds singing, and I miss that. Yeah, I think maybe it's things- time. Yeah, one of the things I also mentioned to people who are bird people is you can also, during this transition time while you're waiting, um, spend more time outside listening to other birds, too, uh, because yeah, that may help been. you. Yeah, have you? Has that helped bring some kind of other types of connections for you? It, a bit, like, but I didn't put my bird feeder out this year because of uh, some kind of bird flu or whatever. I just mm-hmm. didn't want any sick sick birds around, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you've um, got loss in I, two I, ways. I, pardon me? So you kind of have loss in two ways. You, you've lost someone inside yeah. the home and you've lost yeah. those connections outside the home too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking really... Uh, of getting another one here soon, but I just haven't decided yet. I was thinking about a parrot. I don't have much experience with parrots. I do know that they have a whole set of other needs um, and, and require a lot more space too. But I would say, try to try to find someone else. If you know someone near you or can find someone near you who lives with a parrot and ask Mm -hmm. them about it. Yeah. That's a great way when we're changing the, Yeah. You have to pass them on if something happens to you. I mean, they're just, they're... There's more commitment. There's a lot of work. Yeah, there's more commitment with a parrot. And there's other considerations about, um, you know, how parrots get to us, too, to take into account. So just do your research and try to see Mm -hmm. if you can talk to some other folks about um, what it's like to live with a parrot and what you might need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you bet. It's nice you. to speak with you, Charlene. Yeah, thank you. Hang on, and Benny will get some information. Wow, what a great question. And, you know, I have a friend that, my gosh, she has two parrots. And what did you say? Commitment? It is all of that. But there is this real emotional connection between, her name is Sarah, between Sarah and her parrots. I mean, it is such a strong connection. I mean, yeah. I can't even begin to describe it. But, you know, she's in relationship with another person and this person is feeling like man she's like way more connected to the parents right than parents than me but that really yeah i mean one of the things that you know you touched upon is really learn about things in the book though and i want to spend the last time we have left to talk about this i was really struck by taking a look at myself especially when you present the moral the moral circle and looking at the moral circle and looking and digging into our beliefs. And I think you say digging into your beliefs doesn't mean blaming ourselves for the choices we've made. And that brings a, a question that we didn't talk about today. And I, and, and, we, and I alluded to it. In most cultures and in the United States, euthanasia is not acceptable for humans. Can't even think about it here. I mean, other cultures, yeah. But when it comes to our animal friends, it's almost a way of life. 
it's almost a thing. It's and you even talk about human disability and and disability for for our companions, animal companions, etc. Now I'm not kidding when I shared the story about Travis. I couldn't see how much pain he was in because I tried to find solutions to help him get outside. And I mean, honestly, my friends are like, really? You've got a wagon carrying your 13-year-old dog. But the idea of, how should we say it? Putting him down or putting him to sleep. Every animal owner that I've ever known faces that. Yeah, th this is the area that a lot of my work is in, Pat, is working with people around those messy ethical questions of and, and decisions, decisions about um, animals who are injured or they're critically ill or they're aging or, you know, what's going on. And so it, it does take a lot of discernment and responsibility to try to think about what is life for them like? And how am I feeling, you know, we have those connections with the animals, the people who see us, you know, with a dog in a cart don't, right. but we do. And what's yeah. very, very interesting, let's go back to that idea of speciesism for a second. Okay? Yes, let's. So, you know, so think about if you had a child who could no longer use their legs, or you had a, a, a mother who could no longer use her legs. We might apply a different set of characteristics of what is acceptable to do for that person, right? We wouldn't think we wouldn't think twice about getting a wheelchair or some sort of mobility assisted advice. But with animals, what we've done is we've kind of projected this idea of, and it comes from mostly it comes from agriculture, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and then we adopted it because mm -hmm. the keeping of pets happened because people no longer people had enough affluence to be able to have an animal around yeah. without needing to you know quote unquote use it in some other way that we don't have to use animals in now but you know it came from agriculture of if you had a horse or you had a cow or you had somebody who was lame there was an economic issue there so you put it down yep right? now we know now way more about animals we know that they are sentient we know that they feel pain we know that they make decisions we know that they use tools they are smart all these things that we used to say only humans had so why wouldn't we extend knowing all those things all those ways they're like us why wouldn't we also extend a cart for a dog or a, a prosthetic device. There's a guy named Derek uh, who has the show uh, Wizard of Paws who makes these amazing yeah. prosthetic devices for yeah. elephants and horses and dogs. So what I want what I want to try to do in the book and 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 just to wrap that up because I can go on this topic for a long time because I'm passionate about it. But we need to rethink what we're extending to animals. Now it doesn't mean that we keep people or animal persons alive at so long when they're in pain, right? There's a, there's a line there we have to find working with an animal chaplain, working with a therapist, working with a social worker, working with a really good friend who also likes dogs though, you know, those, those are the people we need to help do decision-making. And we also need to the folks who are going, okay, Pat, come on, you got the dog in, in the wagon. We also need to realize they're coming from a different place. Yeah. And we don't need to take that on. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
I love that you brought it up and I love that you brought it, you know, brought it full circle for us because this is the body of work that you do. And this is the area that I mentioned at the top of the show. If I'd have known you, what I experienced with this dog that I loved, both of us loved him. We would have had another way. We would have had a better understanding. We'd have understood ourselves better, Sarah. Yeah. And the research tells us that it tells us that the way to heal for grief is not to get rid of grief, but to learn to live with the fact that there was a loss, Yep. how we process that loss and we adjust to life after that loss and how we keep enduring connections with those animals after loss. And, and the research tells us that when we talk to other people about it, yeah, we heal better. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's the, the one thing that I can impart to anyone listening today is you got to talk about it with people, find the right people, find the people who don't say, ah, it's just a dog, you know, find, find an Google animal chaplain near me. Right. Or, or find a, a social worker or a veterinary social worker or, mm-hmm. Or go to a pet loss uh, support group. There's tons of those. Read my book. Pick up a loss kit. You know, do something um, with other people. I love to advocate for the furry wake. How to have a furry wake. There's yeah. directions for that on my website. Th- th- but, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Here, here's to your point. I had a conversation with somebody I know, an acquaintance. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. Could have been longer. Who called me and said, I understand. Pat, I understand you a little better. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you know, I just lost my husband. And I said, Mm -hmm. yes, I did. I I knew that. She said, but now I know what you mean. That after losing Travis, how you said you'd never get another dog. Now, this is the, this is, we laughed about this analogy because I'm telling you, you could hear a pin drop on this call. She says, I don't think I'm going to get another husband. And I'm thinking, how does my dog, and then it hit me. So part of my story, what she was saying is, why would she feel like she cannot get another dog, right? That's just stupid. But somehow in her mind, she made a call out of the blue to me to tell me in her own way that she understood, like Mm -hmm. what, 20 years later, what I was grieving. A yeah. funny call, but it was an emotional call. Because loss is loss. Lo- thank you. Loss is loss. And loss doesn't know a species barrier. Thank you. Loss is loss. That's why divorce hurts. That's why moving can hurt. Yep. That's why, you know, uh, a, a family that's having trauma, that's why an entire country can be hurt. Right. We, we, loss is loss. So how wonderful that your friend was able to call and, you know, and say, Hey, I have touched that place of heartbreak that I saw you touch. Yeah. And you know, the work that you do, and I just want to take a minute. um, I want people to know what you're setting up also how to get the book, but I also love the idea that you've opened up an opportunity for people to become chaplains. Can you please mention that again? Sure. So sacredsendoffs.com is the website, <clears throat> excuse me, with all of the information about everything we're talking about today. Uh, but the chaplaincy program is a mix of, I like to say, a mix of science and spirituality uh, that helps people understand more about animals' lives and how to help people heal broken hearts. 
So it's a program where it's available from anywhere. We have uh, we have students in the U.S. and Canada and Scotland and Kenya uh, that are coming in in the September uh, cohort. It's a cohort model, lots of conversations together, mm-hmm. lots of interesting readings, and then help for you to understand and to practice working with others on how do you support other people in presence? Because mm-hmm. that's the problem. We always think, I don't know what to say. And the answer is, it's not about what we say, it's about how we are. Yeah. So we yeah. just need to learn to be with people. So if anyone's interested, check out sacredsandups.com. I would love, to, there's a little button for have a consultation with me. And I'd yeah. love to talk to you more about the program. I just, I just thought of Charlene, you know, when you were talking about that, you know, I know Charlene, but, um, you know, look, everything that you've included in the book, it touches so many different things, Sarah, and I want to thank you for that. You know, what we didn't talk about, of course, is in the book, the villains, who are they, what we believe, what does PETA as an organization do, how about farm animals, why do we get so emotional, I have a friend that's so emotional about this, she's an advocate, but Mm. see, all of it ties together, and you brought it together so beautifully in your book, for thank you for that. One last question, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? I would like to leave people with the idea that it's important for us to radiate the compassion that we do to humans beyond humans, however that is for you, whether that's um, to, to cats and animals in a shelter, or it's working as an animal advocate for farmed animals, or it's just sitting outside, um, leaving, leaving grass wild for birds and squirrels, right? Whatever it is that you do, do what you do. Mm. Sarah Bowen, everybody, uh, sacred send-offs, as we said before, and I know Lydia has been showing you all, right? Um, There are so many things in the book. We've talked about some of them. We haven't talked about them all, um, including things like witnessing, witnessing Mm. wild losses. There's just so much in here. I don't think you've left anything out that I can think of, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, if you guys want to know how I deal with roadkill, there's a lot of that in the book, too. (laughs) I got to tell you, one of the greatest cries I've ever had Mm. is over an animal I hit on the road. It happens so much. We lose a million animals every day, folks, wildlife on the roads. And then my friends were like, what? You're pulling over the car. You want to pull it off? You want to bury it? That's a whole nother show we could talk about. A whole nother chapter, folks. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did pull it off the road. I did bury it. Good for you. I had a little ritual. We were an hour late for where we were going. Too bad. <laughs> Just take a, thank you, Sarah, for everything. <laughs> to be Pat, continued, Pat. Thank you for the time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, Benny and Lydia, thank you all. And thank you to the best audience on the planet. Lots in this book. Please, if you're grieving, get a hold of Sarah. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next time.